coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, golf headlines, including our Ryder Cup recap of the Team USA debacle in Italy. Plus, I'm remote in Dallas at this week's LPGA Tour Stop outside the city and got some exciting content coming from there. And my mini golf bar crawl was an epic success from this past weekend. We're tuned into music and a sign of the season to come. Plus, this week's guest, Henry McGannon, who's a really cool golf entrepreneur that has some fascinating caddy stories. He's caddied at Pinehurst and Kiowa Island and some really cool tales to tell. We're tuned into all of that and more, and we're talking all things chicken when we always end with food. All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. We talk about Desert Fox Golf every week because they're great and they're an accompaniment for any size golf event, whether it's just you going on to desertfoxgolf.com and checking out their phone caddies or towels or cigar holders or swing eight tumblers or anything they have for your game. Or if you're playing in an event in the coming months, how about that for an idea? You've got a club championship or an event where you think Desert Fox Golf gear should be at the event? Hit us up on Instagram right now. We'll give you a cash referral if that event buys Desert Fox Golf Gear. It's real simple. All you have to do is send us a message on Instagram at COL Podcast. Again, at COL Podcast. Send us the information about the golf tournament you're playing in the or event that needs some phone caddies, and we'll take care of the rest. If it happens and they book Desert Fox Golf Gear, you get a cash referral. That's right. All that for suggesting great Desert Fox Golf Gear to your upcoming event. Check them out at DesertFoxGolf.com. and welcome to Course of Life. We are proud to be presented by our friends at Desert Fox Golf and the Live Take app. I'm Michael, he's Alex. And Alex, it was the Ryder Cup in Rome, the United States defending against Europe. And really, the 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 foreshadowing of Victor Hovland making a hole-in-one on a par four during the practice round should have told us how horrible this week was going to go for the Americans. This was a massacre, a devastation, the worst possible outcome that could ever happen for the American team. This was an utter embarrassment. And I don't even know if we need to spend any time talking about the rest of what happened during the weekend. Yeah, there's just very few highlights for Team USA. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to congratulate them for putting up a concerted effort on Sunday. But the problem, just like I run into whenever I'm critiquing any other sports team that I like or have rooting interest in, is you can't put yourself down two touchdowns in the first quarter and expect a moral victory at the end when you come up short, okay? And that's exactly what Team USA did in this Ryder Cup. They lost Team team, uh, Day 1 6.5 to 1.5, and and then after, in Days 2 and 3, Mike, played the Europeans even in scoring 10 to 10. It was pretty much an even Ryder Cup on the weekend, but you can't be that far behind the eight ball after Day 1, and that's exactly what Team USA did on the road, and it was just too far of a hill to climb after that. Yeah, it it was just it's just, it was just bad. It was just bad. Like un, unlike the Solheim Cup, where the Americans were able to, you know, we had a tie because the Americans came out real strong and then lost it in the end. Fight throughout, yes. Yeah, that was a fight throughout. This was just 
I don't even think Team America showed up. What there were rumors that they had they had colds, oh, but they God. weren't feeling well. Don't give me that. There was there was the chatter that they were taking too much time off. Of course, we saw all of Team Europe show up the week before to play together. Yeah, been five uh, weeks off for most of the Team yeah. USA. So, so I mean, is is this? Are we pinning this on Zach Johnson? Is this his fault? Is this a effort amongst the entire? PGA and U.S. team of just complacency or what? I mean, if we have to pin this on one thing, or are we going to say it was that they were all wearing hats and it was the hats that were the issue? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so many angles to hit there. You know, Zach Johnson is not only did he make the wrong choices for who he put out, you know, day one and day two, but he's also vanilla ice cream in terms of a guy that's going to rally the troops. Just let's let's just face it. Zach Johnson's a great guy. He's a PGA Tour winner. He's a good human being, but he's not that kind of rally the troops captain that this team needed on the road. We just figured, Mike, that we just roll out the ball from 2021. Yeah, we'll just throw the same team out. Don't worry about it. Everyone shows up when they show up. We're just going to do the same thing we did at Whistling Straits and, and just run train. That's that's not how it works when you go on the road against a tough, tested team in Europe like this that was practicing together as a team. They all played at the BMW. We highlighted that a couple of years, uh, weeks ago, how they all went and played at the BMW Wentworth. They figured out yep. their pairings before that, and they really got together, and they got on the same page. And that was apparent from Friday morning. And like I said, the U.S. just could not recover. And then you know what I do, Mike? I go straight down to the bottom of the Team USA standings. Okay, yep. Let, let's call some people out. Let's call right, some people let's out. Let's do it. Yep. Bottom five Team USA players. These names are going to startle people. The five worst players on Team USA. Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. These are pillars of American golf that have had varied success, but overall have not done absolutely horribly in Road Rider Cups, and that, and that proved true once again. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It's it's just, it is what it is. Do we take this as an oddity or not? We're going to find out in two years. The question is, is Europe going to have Luke Donalds or captain again? Because that's what the team wants. And they could, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, the, the one bright spot I'll give our boy, our Twitter friend, Max Homa, the, the bright spot for Team USA. Yeah. That yeah, guy yeah. was balling out. You remember he went 5-0 and in the President's Cup in his match play team competition debut. He followed that up with a 3-1 in one week. We're keeping him. Give me Max Homa, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Give me Brian Harmon for, for, for another Ryder Cup. <laughs> Those were the highlights for Team USA. But it was all Europe from beginning to end. A little scare on Sunday, but it was never really in doubt. Shout out to Luke Donald for the team for getting it done. Uh, my last question I'm going to ask about this is, uh, so they're at Beth Page in two years. Ooh, that's a great sight. I'm not going to lie. Uh, let's let's uh, Tiger Woods, captain. Yeah, I mean, if he'll do it, why not? There were actually some tweets floated out, and we know that there were a million reasons why this can't happen. But just imagining if Phil was the captain for this Ryder Cup team. Oh, my God. I mean, mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Who knows what's going to happen in the golf landscape in the course of the next two years? It could happen. Yeah. I mean, remember, it was supposed to be Henrik Stenson captaining that European team. Yeah, but that changed after Liv. So it ended up being Luke Donald. But nonetheless, him and Team Europe got the win. Listen, we begrudgingly picked Europe last week in the show. Yeah, they did what we thought they would do at home. So we wait another two years to see if we can get the cup back. And we'll see. Indeed. Let's talk about uh, something that's really exciting that happened outside of the Ryder Cup. And this was over in Asia. Uh, and of course, in South Korea, as you probably know, Alex, they have required military service that they have to do yes. unless unless they're just 
the best athletes possible. Right. Unless you win some sort of otherworldly or internationally renowned prize, albeit um, an Olympic medal or something of the like, or some sort of, you know, competition and two South Korean golfers who we know pretty well, Siwoo Kim and Sum JM, they went over and they won the gold medal in the Asian games. Now I'll tell you why th- this might honestly be a more important result than the Ryder Cup. Yes. Okay. For these two, because by winning the gold medal at the Asian Games, they have put themselves to the pedestal of international celebrity achievement athlete or whatever you call it, to the point where they are now exempt from that service. So this is quite literally not just like a year changing win for Team Europe. This was a life changing win uh, for these two. So worthy of shouting out how enormous that achievement was under the gun and pressure of what was going on in the background for them. Yeah, this was uh, Korea's first men's golf title in 13 years, and they won over Thailand by, wait for it, 25 strokes. Okay. All right. Well, all right. That, that takes a little bit away from the story because it, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, a this a was a, a smart opportunity for Siwoo Kim and Sung JM, um, but nonetheless, they took it. So uh, shout out to, to them for delivering the odd golf headline of the week. All right. Let's talk about the LPGA because you're, you're, you're there. I am. Yes. Uh, we l- last talked in April when I was in Houston for the LPGA. They moved the Chevron Championship, the first major of the season, and we're still chugging along. We're back in the DFW Metroplex, north of the city. You're familiar with the area. It's at the Old American Golf Club in the Colony, um, and I'm excited. Uh, by the time you hear this, I will have already attended the practice round, so check out Instagram at Course of Life Alex and at COL Podcast. We're going to get some good behind-the-scenes content. We have an interview with a member of the captain's team of the Solheim Cup, and we're going to do a fun little kind of playing with the lessons with the pro style thing. We've got some really cool access. I'm going to be on the course with some players as they prep, get that behind-the-scenes access that, that not a lot of people get to see as players get ready for a tournament. It's it's going to be fun. You don't always get this kind of content on this podcast and yeah, not to this kind of personality because, Alex, we know that you are beyond unique. Yeah, and I, I've got some <laughs> questions prepped for them. I, the idea is like I'm going to let them hit their shots, but then I'm just going to roll camera and ask them just the most random questions that they're not ready for in the middle of their Tuesday practice round. Mm. So we're going to see how that goes too. Um, I might get you know moved off from one group to the next as that happens, but uh, we'll see how friendly <laughs> the leads the LPGA tour. But we're looking to connect with some past guests that you've already heard in the show. If you want to check out those interviews from the spring, be sure to follow along and subscribe right now on your podcast platform of choice. But excited to, to see our friends at the LPGA again this week. You know, this weekend, so we had the the Asian Games, we had the uh, the Ryder Cup, but really the marquee event of the weekend was the East Side Mini Open. Oh, yes, you saw that. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciated you sharing that as well. The the mini golf bar crawl. How'd you like the creativity on the different designs from those bars? Mm. I always walk away impressed with what people create for those golf holes. I have to ask, the, the hole with the snake and the and the deep red lights, yeah. how hard was it to read that green? Yeah, and uh, Mike, at, at, at about 9, 10 o'clock after a few beverages, it yeah. was <laughs> I, that snake was doing all sorts of things to me by the end of the night there. And, and the bar is named Coral Snake 
where, where the conclusion party was and where I judged the winners and the awards. So it was a fitting end of the journey. But yeah, uh, a really cool uh, and a cause for charity as well, too. They donate to a different animal cause every year. This week, it was uh, this year was to a horse therapy ranch in Central Texas, but it's been a different dog and cat um, causes in past years. But really neat mini golf bar crawl if you're ever in Central Texas in late September, early October. A fun opportunity to go see some different landmarks in East Austin, play some mini golf, have a good time. It was a, a great football Saturday. So again, check out the Instagram if you want to see my post from that. But always always enjoy a good mini golf challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you then get to judge, right, the whole thing. Yeah, there was a few interesting outfits on display, needless to say. Um, judged and gave away some Titleist golf bags as well, too. Some nice prices Ooh, there, too. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Up on our YouTube channel, if you're not already subscribed there, you should be. We got, of course, videos from your time in the shark t- cage at the PBR event yep. in Austin, Texas. Uh, your time at the, UT, the UTSA game at the Alamo Dome. Always fun to see the Alamo Dome. And uh, you got videos going up next from uh, your time in Illinois. Yes, I got a couple really random ones. I have um, some gambling escapades, video slots and roulette in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. A very fun adventure there. Ride the wave with me. And then a couple of golf rounds, which had to be highlighted. Mike, something great happened, not only in my round I played today here in northern Texas, but in Illinois. I'm starting to get a lot of birdies on camera. Mm. I'm saving these gems. We're going to start releasing these. We get some golf highlights coming in, in the videos to come. So be sure to check out the YouTube. I'm learning from you. You're giving me tutorials week by week. We're, we're starting to slowly perfect and improve on these videos week by week. So so follow along to the video journey as well, too. Let's look ahead to this weekend because the PGA Tour is back in action. And it's the always entertaining. And I say this with the least amount of sarcasm possible. <laughs> and that I say with the most amount of sarcasm possible. The Sanderson Farms Championship in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, this is just the epitome of not a loaded field, except hmm. for Ludwig Aberg. Yeah, this was my question that I wrote in the preview. And we'll have the answer by the time you listen to this. But if they indeed peg it on Thursday morning, shout out to Ludwig Oberg and Nikolai Hoygaard for winning the Ryder Cup on Sunday night in Italy and flying to Jackson, Mississippi (laughs) to tee it up for four days after the celebration. I don't blame them if they're a little tired and jet lag. I totally get it. But it would be cool to see those two young European Ryder Cup winners in the field because, I mean, let's just face it. Yeah. They kind of dominated us and they're going to be the future of the Ryder Cup. So get used to seeing those faces out there. You know, the one name, though, I am looking at here is to finally get his first win on tour. He has a tie fifth and a tie 14 in his last three starts. Uh, And he's been on this podcast multiple times. We are proud members of the Woo Crew. Dylan Wu. Yeah, that's a good thought, actually. Hmm, that is a good thought. We'll have to check yep. in with Dylan and get his thoughts on the course this week, but this could be his moment right now, actually. Mm-hmm. He's had a pretty productive offseason from what I see. Visited with the old Northwestern crew. I don't know if he got any work in with his old college coaches or whatnot, but a little bit of a good reset for Dylan as, as he heads into this third season here, so... Yeah, we're always watching for him, and we're honorary Woo Crew members, so I'd love to see him creep up on the leaderboard this week. You'll have your Run Your Pool article up uh, right now by the time you're listening to this, and of course, full picks 
up as well. Uh, so make sure to check it out on Twitter X and threads, all the places. We're everywhere, yep. We're everywhere now. Uh, so check us out. Let's switch over to Tuned In, though, where we're sharing what we're tuned into outside of the world of sports. Alex, it's October. It is. I was actually just kind of sitting here because it's it's still 92 degrees in Dallas. We're, we're going to get a cold front that brings us down to the 80s. So I'm having a little trouble with the fall calendar right now. Mm. But I'm, I'm glad that I'm seeing the pumpkins at the grocery stores and the Halloween dec- decorations are out. That, that's encouraging. Well, I mean, look, it's been in the high 70s, low 80s and dry here in Savannah. So it's fall. It's certainly fall here okay. right now. That's what it feels like, at least. Uh, you could almost wear a sweater. Uh, if you're if you're my wife, then you do wear a sweater because she's perpetually cold. Um, and so, yeah, we got the pumpkins. We got the uh, Halloween decor up. We've got Halloween lights up on the outside of the house as well, because we are that house in the neighborhood. I put them up this weekend, put them up yesterday on Sunday. Uh, and uh, wife did a lot of pumpkin baking this weekend as well. And she can have all that to herself. I'm not interested in that. Um, and, uh, started watching scary movies as well, or at least scary-esque movies, movies with scary sort of themes or horror themes like witches and ghosts and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it is upon us. It is the season. Yeah. My wife has been through Halloween town a couple of times. Uh, Mm. she's watched the Michael Myers Halloween series at least three or four times now. Hocus Pocus soon to come. Uh, You'll be glad to know that I did get in a quick round of golf with our friend of the show and past guest chef Noah Hester today. I stopped by the house. Lacey and Noah got full Halloween decorations out in the front yard. Okay. (laughs) Nice. So the people we like are not playing around. So they're in agreement with you that it is spooky season. Uh, So I appreciate that the calendars flip because I'm glad that October's here. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Yeah. There you go. Love it. And yeah, and speaking of with the fall, we, we've got an interesting announcement in the music world. I didn't think I'd be saying there were some hints of it in the past few months, but I'm here to report it's 2023, Mike, and we have new music from In Sync. Yep. How about that for a headline? There you go. Now all we just need is Backstreet Boys, but Backstreet Boys have already done Backstreet's Back. So. <laughs> I'm curious if it'll be Backstreet's back again. Back again, yep. Yeah, and Absolutely. NSYNC, NSYNC is back, but they're doing it for the Trolls movie. I, I'm hoping it's more. Me and my, my wife yeah. are desperately thinking it's more than just one song. It feels like it's just more. I don't know. Seeing all five of them doing regular interviews, they did the Hot Ones podcast. They're eating wings yeah. as a group again. It just feels right that we could get more than one song. And you hinted at it with Backstreet. I'm just going to throw this out into the stratosphere because I want it to happen. Like the day I might like weep tears at a live concert again is when InSync and Backstreet Boys go on tour again. We do the Pop 2K Boy Bands Reunited Tour. Oh, Maybe 98 Degrees opens yep. up. Maybe One Direction opens up, something like that. It, it, it feels right. I think it could happen in the next couple of years. So I just want to start putting that out in the atmosphere. Only if the special guest is the Hanson brothers. Oh, my God. <laughs> little mbop for you. Oh, yeah. You're speaking my language now. It, I mean, that's going to happen. That will happen. This is the first step. So great to hear InSync back. The song's called The Better Place. I, I, it might get me to see that Trolls movie just on the hope there might be some more InSync. That could be the only song. But nonetheless, great to hear him back. We'll see. Indeed. Let's uh, go ahead and get into this week's guest. We've had quite a few caddies on this podcast in the past because they always have some of the best stories out there. 
And uh, this week's guest does not disappoint in that department. Yeah, we love uh, caddy stories and we love golf, golf entrepreneurs. This next guest is both. He's got a really cool merch line of his own that really just speaks to the everyday golfer. Okay. You know, there's a lot of merch lines out there that just got these $200 shirts that are just re- really out of everyone's price range. Let's be realistic. Uh, so we're talking about golf for the every man, golf merch for the every man. And those caddy stories, Mike, not just from any course, we're talking Pinehurst and Kiowa Ocean Course caddy stories. Real, real yep. com- cool conversation coming your way. We'll get to that conversation with Henry in just a second. But first, let's talk to you about the Live Take app. This is where sports debates are solved once and for all. I highly disagree with how most of these people vote when we do our you know, short little live takes about what we think is the right way to go in a certain thing, like top U.S. point score at the Ryder Cup will be Xander Shoffley or Brooks Koepka. I mean, no one really got any points this week for Team USA, so that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. So we can just kind of kick that one aside. But we do some other fun things on here, uh, and you really should check it out. It's uh, Live Take lets you kind of share your hot take on a sport thing or even a not sport thing and even do these live takes like Alex and I do where we talk to each other for just a couple minutes and then let other people out in the uh, in the interwebs tell you whether you're right or not. It provides yeah, the you internet, validation or not. Yeah. The internet is the ultimate voter here. It's it's yeah. not up to you or me who wins at all. It's true. Uh, so again, it's live take. You can check us out. COL Podcast Michael and COL Podcast Alex. Challenge us. Check out our challenges that we do every week on there uh, and drop your own takes as well. It's live take. Download it into the App Store today and let your take be heard. Next up on the tee, he's a lifelong golfer that founded the Real Golfers brand, and he's got some caddying experience at some very iconic courses in the game. It's Henry McGannon joining us on the Course of Life. Henry, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. As soon as I saw the caddying experience you had, I definitely knew you may have a couple stories up your sleeve, and I'm looking forward to hearing about this uh, merch brand as well. Let, let, let's get started with caddying, though, because I noticed you got a, a really cool course in your past history and one that you're working at now. Um, you originally got going caddying, and one iconic course you worked at was Pinehurst, which a lot of people know in North Carolina. It's become quite the destination for golfers around the world. Um, but tell me a little bit about how you first kind of got into caddying specifically at Pinehurst. Yeah. Um, so I started caddying at Pinehurst, uh, in 2013, I moved down there for college and, uh, I knew caddying was going to be a great way to play free golf, uh, at an incredible place and a good way to make a couple extra bucks as a college kid. Um, so yeah, I started in 2013 and I was there for about three years. Very cool. It's a unique course. It's open, hosted lots of U.S. Opens. Not a course. It's several courses. Um, I'm curious. Tell everyone a little bit specifically about Pinehurst Number Two. For those who don't know that, that's kind of the most iconic, maybe most difficult test out there. But but you can tell me what what Number Two is like to caddy on. Two is a very interesting track. So it was built, you know, a long time ago. I think late 1800s. And uh, the thing that makes Pinehurst Number Two so unique is the greens. Um, so tee to green is pretty straightforward. You got waste area that you have to deal with and, you know, some narrow fairways and the course is 
moderately long. It's like 76 from the tips. Oh, yeah. That's um, a little for they, a lot of us out there. <laughs> believe me, it's too long for me. Uh, <laughs> but um, the thing that makes it so unique is the greens. They're all like turtleback greens. Um, when you're caddying out there, six-hour rounds are not that uncommon because the greens are so difficult. Oftentimes, you'll see players go from bunker to bunker to bunker on the same green and then three putt. Uh, you'll see guys putting off the green. Um, so, so number two in a nutshell is basically all about the greens. Yeah. I grew up in Massachusetts on a Donald Ross course that had similar green architecture and, uh, it can play, uh, quite the games with your brain, uh, when you get out there after a long day, if you're struggling around the green. So I know that vibe. I'm, I'm curious. I imagine you've probably had to hold your camera phone out or film a lot of people try to recreate that famous Payne Stewart putt on the 18th at number two. Is that right? Oh yeah, there's a statue of um, him doing his little fist pump with the leg in the air right behind the 18th green. So a lot of people are would ask to take a picture next to the statue. How many people actually can recreate and make that putt on, on camera on demand? That's what I'm really wondering. Um, I mean, how many people can make a 10 footer? Like maybe yeah. two out of 10 on demand. <laughs> <laughs> the rate's probably pretty low. That's a that's a really cool spot. Yeah, it is. And the putt that he made, um, I obviously wasn't there in the uh, late 90s when he made it. I think I was four years old. But uh, some of the caddies who'd been in Pinehurst for you know decades told me that that putt broke uphill. Um, and there is a couple putts on that course because of the grain that really do at least seem to break up the hill. So uh, that's just another interesting fact about that putt that he made. Definitely. And Pinehurst is not only known for that course and the bevy of courses, but they've also got this new creation called the Cradle as well, too. Were you there for the Cradle's existence? And if for the for those who don't know, it's it's a real kind of vibey pitch and pile putt style course where you can kind of get loose, kick your shoes off, bring beers around and kind of have a, a really new age golf experience. But did you have any familiarity with the Cradle or was that just getting built when you were there? So the cradle was built after I was there. I'm starting to feel old. Um, so I was there 2013 to 15 and I think the cradle was built in like 17 or 18. Um, when I was living there, the space that the cradle or sorry, that the cradle is now on was the first hole of course three and the first hole of course five, both were pretty, you know, standard par four. So I think Pinehurst crushed it by taking those two holes out and putting in the cradle that everybody knows and loves. Yeah, it's cre- it creates a lot of cool moments. I mean, you see a lot of videos online of like buddies trips and, and you know team match play competitions at the cradle and at the different courses. I'm, I'm curious when you're caddying out there. I'm sure you've seen a lot of great group, you know, scream party pop excitement moments. Uh, what, what's maybe one notable moment that you have from your days at Pioneers that sticks out in terms of uh, a group of golfers going crazy out there? Um, man, that's a good question because there's so many. I would say the most memorable moment I have uh, from caddying on number two that involved the crowd going wild um, would be, I I was caddying for this guy, I can't remember his name, it was eight, nine years ago, but he was a 30 handicap, probably was on his way to shooting 140 on the day, like many of us do on Pinehurst number two. But we got to 18, and uh, for those who don't know, the clubhouse, like I said, is right behind 18 green. And uh, it's a great place to hang out and have some drinks when you get done. So we're coming in. It's like a beautiful Friday afternoon. The porch is packed like it always is. People are having drinks and having fun. And 
chirping the golfers. And this guy who, like I said, was about to shoot 140 pulls out from like 130 yards or something. And the crowd just exploded. It was like, <laughs> I felt like I was caddying, you know, in a major or something, uh, for a guy who <laughs> couldn't make a par to save his life. Hey, and guess what? That second shot on the 18th was the only shot that all those people in the 19th hole saw all day. So for all they know, that guy was a scratch golfer making his way around the course. Exactly. Yep. They probably thought it was for like uh, 64 or something. <laughs> That's the beauty of the game. Uh, and, and so now that was a cool experience from Pinehurst. And now you're at Kiowa at the ocean course. You live nearby South Carolina. It's Kiowa. Now people know that from the war by the shore, the, the Rory and, P, and Phil PGA championship wins. Uh, what makes that course so unique? All I can think of is just like tough, demanding, bear of a course whenever the word Kiowa crosses my brain. Yeah, it, it is a tough track. Um, so the thing that makes the ocean course unique is it's not a link style course, but it plays kind of similar to one in the sense that the thing that makes it so difficult is the elements and the length. Um, so for instance, if you're playing the right tees, like 6,500 or something for someone who hits their driver, 230, 240. Yep. If it's not windy, you can go out there and if you putt well and you listen to your caddy, you can go out there and have a pretty good day and maybe shoot what you shoot at your home course. Like I've had a lot of people tell me that was the lowest round I've ever played, which may have been because I was doing all the thinking for them, or it may have been because they caught the ocean course on a day that wasn't too windy. But when it's not windy, the ocean course is pretty gettable. I mean, the fairways are like 60 yards wide, even though they look tiny from the tee. Um, but on the other hand, if it is windy or if it's raining or it's cold or you're playing pretty far back, like 7,000 plus, that's where it comes in. Like you were saying to be just an absolute bear. Um, so the thing that makes ocean course unique is just the elements. It all depends on the elements of that particular day. Very interesting. Yeah, my, myself and my co-host got the opportunity to do a trip to Ireland and play different links courses there. And you're so right about the elements with those courses along the water. If the sea breeze is whipping and it's raining, it I mean it just immediately adds like a shot to every hole on your scorecard, just right off the bat. And it, it creates a whole different element of surprise for golfers. Good to know that it can be gettable, the ocean course. That's the first time I've heard that. Um, I'm curious, uh, you did mention listening to your caddy as being an important part out there. Uh, what, what, give me an example of someone not listening to you and how that's turned out for them. Uh, I'm sure you get, you get, you get a lot of, uh, bold golfers that think they might know a little bit more than you about the ocean course, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, so I've been caddying for like 10 years now, so, um, I've kind of gotten the hang of it at this point, but typically for the first couple holes, um, players are, kind of skeptical of their caddy, which is, I get it. I mean, they're coming, they've probably traveled here from New Jersey or, you know, Ohio or something to play the ocean course. And they're really excited and all they want to do is play well. And we're telling them to do something that probably doesn't fit their eye because, you know, that's just what Pete Dye does. He's the designer of the ocean course. His, uh, MO is basically deception. Um, so there's, there's many times where we're standing on the tee and I'll tell the player, you, you need to do this. And it, they just can't believe it. Um, so that's, that's where the trust factor really comes in. And, uh, usually after a couple holes, you know, you get the reads, right. Uh, you get the numbers, right. The yardage is right. And, uh, they start to trust you and 
they'll let you do all the thinking. And that, that's when the players play particularly well. Yeah, and I mean, for the golfers out there, it's actually a little bit of a vacation for, for your brain and everything that's already going on there. It's hard enough just to figure out how to hit the ball correctly. So when you do have someone giving you the line sights, the reads on the greens, you know, the rub of the way, which way the ball is going, it helps a lot. So I appreciate you mentioning that. I would definitely grab a caddy if I was playing a course like that as well, too. Now, on the other end, when you have people that have a tough time on the golf course, I'm sure you have moments when someone just gives up on the ocean course. How often is it that someone just cannot finish the 18 holes and is just completely overwhelmed by the course? Does that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That happens quite often. Um, I was actually joking (laughs) with my buddy the other day. There's just so many hazards out there. Um, I don't really know how many of the, you know, 800 or 1,000 rounds that I've caddied out there. I don't really know how many people have actually finished their round of golf with like a legitimate score. I bet it's under 50. Um, Just because there's so many hazards. oftentimes you really, you don't know where the real like legitimate drop is. Um, so with that being said, when we have someone like you were saying, who's really struggling, we just take super generous drops for one to keep the player happy. And two, probably more importantly to keep pace of play moving. Uh, cause if, <laughs> yes. if, you're, if you're not pushing them along, it, it can get slow out there. Wow. Maybe 50 out of 800 pop really actually finished out the 18. That's a, that's a fascinating stat. I love it. Very, very cool caddying experience there. Uh, again, Henry McGannon joining us here. It's the real golfers brand that, that you created as well too. It's really cool to check out the merch line that you got. Real golfers co is the name. If you want to follow on Instagram T- tell me a little bit about what you, what first inspired you to create the, uh, the line in the first place. Um, well, it started, uh, about a little over two years ago and, um, there was just one day where I was in my closet trying to figure out what I was going to wear to play. And I had probably 30 or 40 golf shirts at the time. And I'm looking Don't at them and thinking to myself, yeah, we, everyone does. You got to. Um, but I'm thinking to myself, I've either won these, like every single one of these shirts with like pro shop credit from a tournament, or they're from a golf course that I worked at and I gotten them for free. And uh, I started thinking about why, because I love fashion um, and I love dressing well. And I just came to the conclusion that golf shirts were just insanely overpriced. Um, and, and that was really the, the main inspiration for the brand was to create like Peter Millar, Footjoy quality uh, apparel. Quality is our main thing. We'll never sell a shirt or a hoodie that we don't absolutely love. So creating apparel that's the level of quality of the top brands out there at an affordable price because everybody wants to look good while they're playing golf and most of us can't afford to buy a $140 shirt in the pro shop at the ocean course so that, that's really where it started and where I got the idea. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure myself and a lot of people are nodding at home saying, I'm not paying over a hundred dollars for a shirt. I'm just not, I don't, I don't care what, what, what it gives me. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, the, the most expensive shirt I can consider myself ever buying in my life was quite literally at the masters buying an Augusta national polo for like 80 bucks. That, that, that's as far as I'll go. And that's a once in a lifetime experience. And, and you're right. You know, we get shirts as golfers from work and gifts and freebies and hand-me-downs. And when you do buy one with your hard-earned money, you, you don't want to break the bank with it for sure. Totally. 
Um, so I'm curious, in, the, in terms of the different collection offerings, the one that caught my eye, since we're, we're public golf co- people out here, I grew up on public golf courses my entire life. I'm Muni for life. I play Munis here in Austin, Texas. And you've got the Muni collection. Tell me a little bit about the, the inspiration for the Muni collection and, and the Muni golf life, which I think kind of speaks to all of us out there. Yeah, I love it. Nobody ever brings up the Muni collection. Um, so that is maybe my favorite collection that I've done to date. Um, it's just simple, heavy cotton t-shirts, um, which is, you know, the most basic and classic type of t-shirt there is really. And, uh, we chose that material because I, I felt like it really embodied, uh, municipal golf. Um, Golf is just about playing golf. It's not about playing the ocean course or Pinehurst or Augusta. It's just about getting the ball in the hole and enjoying some time out in nature, hopefully with your buddies. Um, and that, and that's really where the Muni collection came from. Um, and I also play the Charleston Muni all the time, uh, which I think is one of the best Munis probably in the country. Uh, I think it's ranked in the top 20 municipal golf courses in the country. And it's just such a unique place. It's modeled after a Seth Rayner. Um, the greens are square. It's insanely difficult. I I often tell people it's harder than the ocean course if it's not windy. Um, it's a great place to practice. You see all different types of people out there, whether it's a scratch golfer, the guy who won the city championship, uh, some 60 year old guy, coming out to play a couple holes after work or just kids getting into the game. So the Muni is just such a wonderful place, uh, such a golf haven. And uh, we wanted to come up with a collection that really embodied that. No, definitely. It speaks to someone like myself and you and I are cut from the same cloth and that, you know, you can appreciate the beauty of Kiowa and Pinehurst and Augusta and those iconic courses. But we also just love throwing on jeans and a shirt and just going to the Muni and playing with our buddies for fun. It's all the same golf experience, uh, no matter what end of the spectrum it's on. So I appreciate the Muni collection. The other thing I want to talk about, which is a little controversial Let's talk about the golf hoodie, Henry. Okay. That's it's in the news yes, a lot sir. in the last few years. You know, the, the old school <laughs> golfers, they get really upset when they see a hoodie on the golf course. Tell me a little bit yeah. about your thoughts on hoodies on the golf course. I mean, I think they're like absolutely perfect for golf. I mean, we, we all love to play golf on those crisp fall mornings where it might be uh, like 48 degrees when you're getting to the course. It's going to be 62 by the time you get to the third it, or fourth it's hole. It's season right now. You're, we're in it. Yep. Yeah, you guys are way up north. So, I mean, you guys are already there. And, um, I mean, it's just perfect for golf. And on top of that, I think it's a pretty cool look. It kind of brings like a streetwear element to the game. Um, And I think when I saw the Ryder Cup guys wearing hoodies, I was like, okay, it's time. Uh, I've been wanting to do a hoodie. It's finally acceptable. Let's do it. It's a cool look. Again, Real Golfers is the name of the brand. Real Golfers Co. on Instagram. Uh, we got Henry McGannon here. Uh, again, it's it's a cool website to see the brand, but I love that you also post the Caddy Stories blog. So so you're also known affectionately as Hank. I want you to give a little taste of one story that's on the website, though, involving uh, jumping into a pond for a golf ball. What, what happened there? <laughs> that was... That was uh, actually my first loop at Pinehurst. I was either like 17 or 18 years old. And uh, it was on Pinehurst number four. It wasn't on number two. And uh, I'm caddying with, I had just moved down there from Michigan. So I know all about the cold, but uh, it's my first loop. They put me out with this guy with named Cold Cut. His real name is Hoka, but he goes by Cold Cut. 
Amazing and, nickname. Um, amazing nickname. Amazing guy. Just an absolute character. And uh, it's going along. You know, I'm nervous and uh, I'm reading some putts, probably misreading everything I'm looking at, given bad numbers. But we get to the 13th hole of Pinehurst number four, which is this awesome risk reward, slight dog leg left, par five, uh, super reachable, but there's water up the left the whole way. Um, so these guys are playing this game called the mother ball where it's one golf ball. That's like completely marked up. So everyone knows it's the mother ball and it rotates to each golfer, uh, by holes. So everybody has it four times and two guys will have it five times. Okay. And if you lose the mother ball, it's a 10 stroke penalty. That's right. I saw that um, 10 strokes, pretty severe penalty. You, you can't lose the mother ball. Yeah. That's the bottom line. No, you can't. And um, they proved that by asking Cold Cut to take a dip in the disgusting, like green algae fertilizer pond <laughs> that I was talking about when this guy went for the green and two and just cold topped it. And uh, to my surprise, like, like I said, it was my first loop. This guy takes off his entire jumpsuit, whatever clothes he had on underneath, except his boxers, takes wow. a dip into the pond, fully submerged. I can't remember if he dipped his head under. I'm pretty sure he did, but I, I remember him being completely soaked. And uh, believe it or not, he came out with five or six golf balls, and one of them was the mother ball. Um, Amazing. So, I'm just hoping he got a good tip at the end of the round. I know. I know. I like. I was pretty young, so I probably didn't even ask, but I, I hope he did too. <laughs> he, he deserved a couple hundred for that. Love it. Hey, I saw you got to spend a very unique experience on the golf course uh, with a legend in the game. Uh, tell me a little bit about spending a day on the course with Phil Mickelson. What, what did you ask Phil when you got to walk the fairways with him? Walking with Phil was cool. Um, that was at a private course I was caddying at in Wilmington, North Carolina called Eagle Point, um, who had the Wells Fargo the year the PGA was at Quail, which was 2017. You know, honestly, I, I didn't talk to him a whole lot because, you know, he's Mickelson and he's got people all over him all day. Um, he did show me how to hit like a mega flop shot, which was cool. He basically just said, weaken your grip up like as much as possible and you can't possibly blade it, which to this day, I still do that when I need that shot. Um, and honestly, I was kind of hoping he would play poorly so I could watch him chip all day. But he hit like 17 greens, if I remember right. Um, nice. And the thing that struck me about him was just how hard he swings. Like I've caddied in other pros groups like Zach Blair or uh, Snedeker. Um, but the thing about Phil was he just swung. It could be a nine iron from 152. He just swung as hard as he could at everything. Um, and he was a nice guy. You know, he got along really well with everybody. And uh, it was a pro-am. So it almost felt like it was like scripted for him because he's played in so many of them. But it, it was a really cool experience for sure. Very neat. I love that weak grip on the super flop, huh? Is, that, is the idea just you know, the club's bound to get slide under there if you got a nice weak grip? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Love that. All right, Henry, we wrap with our 19th hole question. It sounds like you've got some good experience with legendary 19th holes all over the world of golf. This will be a good answer for you. When you get into your favorite clubhouse, think about Kiowa, Pinehurst, Eagle Point, or some of the nicer ones you've seen. What's your favorite order, your favorite meal and drink that you like to order at the 19th hole? It's a good question. I, I think I would probably go with uh, grilled cheese at the Muni. Um, I know that's a weird, weird answer, but the Muni's clubhouse is so awesome. And the bartenders in there, just they know everybody. And 
Um, they usually throw in a free drink once in a while. Uh, so yeah, I would go grilled cheese at the Charleston Muni. I think that might be the first grilled cheese answer. We've had a million sandwiches for that question, but you got to love a good grilled cheese, especially after a round of golf, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly not like a huge grilled cheese fan, but that's what they always recommend there. So I go with it. Easy, cheap, budget-friendly, good times. Henry, I appreciate you hopping on the course of life, man. Really cool to hear about your caddying experience and real golfers as well, too. Nice line of merch you got going there and uh, hit them straight as well. All right. Thanks so much, Alex. We're back. Great chat there with Henry. Can't believe I know you're a caddy and you're supposed to do what's best for your player, but jump into the water. Really? Yeah, that's I mean, like I said, I mean, that tip has to be at least what new pants, shirt, underwear. I mean, and I mean, that's got to be a three digit tip, right? For for doing something like that, saving the mother ball. What a sacrifice. You hope so. It's got to be. If not, then then I would never do it again, obviously. (laughs) That was fun to hear from Henry and his caddy stories. You can check check them all out on the Real Golfers blog too. And and we'll be collaborating with Henry a little bit more, showing off that brand as well too. If you like that conversation with Henry, plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button on the podcast app you're using right now. Leave us a rating of uh, any number of increasing stars or thumbs that you feel is an appropriate number and then add two to it. So if you're only going to give us two, give us four. If you're going to give us four, give us six. If it won't let you give us six, give us four. Go create another account on that podcast app and give us another two. Right, because that that, correct. Yeah, two ratings. Yep, that math checks out. Okay. And you can follow us on Instagram, COL Podcast. He's Corsa Life Alex. I'm M-W-R-I-N-C. Same handles on the threads. We're on Twitter X. He's COL Podcast. uh, Course, sorry. Corsa Life 1 on twitter i'm mwrinc uh we're on youtube like we said earlier uh of course live podcast spotify apple iHeartRadio, all that fun stuff check out our food instagram always end with food on there as well so you can see pictures of food because who doesn't like pictures of food you know what i got into though this week alex we have to talk about this yeah what's going on uh, we're going to, we're, we're, you know, few and far between uh, segment here, wormhole of the week. So oh, yeah. I fell I mean, into a wormhole. God. I mean, I'm always, I'm always uh, finding wormhole. What do you got? Yeah. What do you got for me? Uh, so, you know, I, I do on YouTube uh, watch uh, videos of how the other 1% lives on, uh, you know, first class business class flights across the country. Yes. I just find, I find these trip report videos of like what it's like to be in, you know, first class on Emirates, just incredibly uh, depressing and yet I can't turn turn away from them. And so YouTube's version of sto- reels or whatever they call it, I don't know what they call it. Yeah, the it. shorts there, yeah. The shorts. Uh, this, this one account came up of this private jet broker who sells private jets. And there's this video of this 21-year-old girl coming up to him and going, my daddy is letting me buy a jet. I have $30 million. And then he, like, walks her through the process of buying a jet. And then this other, like, 22-year-old guy who's like, I need a jet so that when I'm going from Ibiza to Paris with all the models that I fly with, I have a place to lie down. Tough I, life, you man. Know, Jeez. 
And then he, and then he's like, you know, I was on this plane with someone who had 12 people on the plane and 48 bags and the bags wouldn't all fit in the luggage compartment. So they were piled up in the back. So you got to keep in mind how many bags you're going to have on the plane. So that'll keep in mind what kind of plane you get. I mean, I already felt pretty inadequate without having any money, but now I just, I just like can't function. Big time champagne problems there with the bags and the people. Gosh. I mean, that said, would I win the billion dollar uh, Powerball? going on tonight, Monday night. So by the time this comes out tomorrow, I'm going to be a billionaire. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm I'm going to buy myself a private jet. I love that. I mean, that <laughs> Edwin Castro guy who won the big one who lives in California, yeah. he's already gotten like three different mansions in the LA area just because he can. Just because yeah. just he can and you can't. And he's, and he's got a billion money. dollars. So I, It's dumb I money. <laughs> Very cool. Private jet broker. Yeah, that, that, that really is. That's not the 1%. That yeah. is the 1% of the 1%. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Good stuff. All right, let's talk college football. I want to talk about your picks, Alex. What's going on here? I'm just a 500 picker this season. I can't figure it out. I've gotten on to slow starts and finished hot at night. I've gotten off to fast starts in the morning games and finished slow, but it all ends up being just a wash. So basically, take a look at every pick I put out on X, on Twitter, on threads, on Run Your Pool, and take half of them and take the other half with a grain of salt and hope you get lucky on the right ones. That's what it seems to be this year. It's just a complete mixed bag. I can't really do anything amazing or horrible, which I guess is better than maybe most betters can say, sadly. But uh, yeah, there's just not a lot of up, upward trajectory so far in this college football season. All right. So for the big game this weekend, Texas versus Oklahoma, who, who are you betting on? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is. I keep saying there's litmus tests every week for the Longhorns. I don't. I, my college football article is entitled "Texas is blank" because <laughs> I don't want to say blank because if I say blank, then I jinx it and they're not blank. It's like Voldemort; you can't say it out loud. Exactly. But yeah. this Saturday, if they win at the Cotton Bowl in front of everyone eating corn dogs at the Texas State Fair and the fried Oreos, I can't forget the fried Oreos. Yeah, I can't forget the fried Oreos. If they do what they did last year and they run train and they are undefeated, I will officially drop my first Texas's blank of the season mm-hmm. and the undefeated train rolls on. This is the first big litmus test. I do like them to win. I don't know if I like them to cover. It's going to be a tight one this weekend in Dallas. Though. All right. We'll see. Uh, I think you're, you're much more excited about the possibilities of Texas than you are about your Patriots. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, this is a blowout, helpless old man coach past his prime oh, wow. quarterback who's not the guy. And we've all mm. just learned it this weekend. And there's nothing better behind him. I've never seen this much misdirection in the Patriots franchise since I've been, what, eight, nine years old, Drew Bledsoe days, pre-Tom yeah. Brady. That's the last time I remember it being this bad. So Our, it's very unfamiliar side for me. Have the Patriots... Under Bill Belichick, the one the the coach with the most Super Bowl rings in history. Sure. Are they inept right now? The fact that I'm pausing at that question. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the answer right there. You don't scary. even need to say anymore. We the can just say I'm that's the answer. Pausing is scary yeah. at that thought, Mike. And yeah, he's I don't know. It's just it's a wild existence to be in. Mike, Boston Sports Talk Radio this week. Asking if Bill Belichick lasts the rest of this season as coach. 
How, how about that for a thought? I didn't think that was coming across my headlines this fall. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, your Monday nights, we'll skip that. But the bottom line is that you and I are, are just in a a cellar dweller fight. I said, I said before, it was the battle for eight or nine wins. We might have to revise that number. We might. Uh, I'm going to say a battle for three. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. It it could be tank season in a month or two. We could be talking tank by Thanksgiving. Fun times. I mean, I mean the 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 Giants just like I don't even is it the pieces aren't I don't even know. It's not even worth having the conversation right now. <laughs> the pieces that are there aren't even worth having the conversation yeah. about. That's all you need to know about the pieces that are there. Yeah. It's just it's atrocious. Uh but but we did have some fun little uh some fun Toy Story football, right? Did you see any of these animations on Twitter? This is a wild thing I watched for about a half an hour. I, I couldn't really give it my full attention, but basically they animated kind of caricaturized football players like in conjunction with the live broadcast of the London game and they put it in Andy's room, the the setting for Toy Story. It was it was kind of fascinating. It, it was worth about twenty minutes of time. It's really for a zero to twelve year old audience, but it was an interesting try from from the NFL, if nothing else. Would you rather watch that, or would you rather watch Nickelodeon football? Uh, so far, I like the Nickelodeon broadcast more. I mean, the okay. Toy Story was cool just to see, tune in, and see it happen. But if you're a grown adult, you you can't physically watch an NFL game like that. It was neat to yeah. see the touchdown celebration in the end zone. That was that was there was some fanfare there for sure. Halftime show wasn't bad, but Toy Story football B minus, Nickelodeon football B plus right now. Mm. That's my rank. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, I just need a shout out real quick on a, as a, we'll call this an alma mater update. Uh, Quinnipiac University men's ice hockey, the defending Division One men's ice hockey national champions got their blingy, blingy, blingy championship rings this weekend. Did you see this? Dang, we're back already, aren't we? Wow, yeah. hockey season's here, dang. And the the rings like rival what you see in professional sports. Good. They're impressive. Good. I, mean, I want to know if I can get my hands on one of those. You know what? But let's go. Let's be gaudy, Mike. Because <laughs> we, we don't know how many times this is going to happen realistically. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and just flex this one as hard as we possibly can. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm good with that. I, in fact, I want to see more new. I, I need new merchandise so I can buy new championship merchandise. Yeah, it's probably time to swing around for a hoodie or some warmer gear. Actually, yeah, too, yeah. wouldn't hate that. Okay. All right, let's hashtag always end with food. Yes, food segment to end every course of life podcast. Um, I'm going to start. We're just all chicken right here. Um, let's just go into kind of wing variety. I've had the full gamut at the East side mini open. I'm going to shout out the golden grill, some food truck wings downtown with some beer always goes great with some football. I had some nice fried wings, which were a lemon pepper, Buffalo fusion. Hadn't had that Mm. before. That was a win. And then here at the host house in Dallas, my buddy, Evan just grilled some amazing wings, love grilled wings. So I'm just experimenting with the full run right now, but I'm on a big wing run as we hit peak football season. That's the bottom line. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm going to talk, I'll talk chicken too. So let's let's do a little backstory here. So on Sunday, I had to go to my local Ace Hardware um, to get some stuff. And while I was there, they have a section of like spices and barbecue sauces. I don't know if you have a local Ace that does this. Yes, I've seen that. Okay. Uh, and I was like, you know, let me let me see. I was going to do a roast chicken for dinner Sunday night. I'm looking at what they have. And there's this uh, spice blend by Traeger. Um, oh, it's yeah. a citrus pepper. 
And I was like, that's, that sounds good, but I don't think I'd do that on a grilled chicken, but I can spatchcock my chicken and grill it. And then that would be good. So I did that. And then I had with it a fennel apple coleslaw that I made, which was also very good. So it was just all right. It was like a, it was like a very summery meal that I was having in, you know, 75 degree weather in Savannah in October. <laughs> what a wonderful amalgamation of flavors there, Mike. It was actually really nice and kind of bright and light. And it was, it just went, it went really well. And the chicken, I mean, spatchcock grilled chicken is just always delicious. And by the way, Traeger, love your spices, love your grills yeah. too. So if you're interested in sponsoring the show, feel free to hit us up. We'd love yeah. to try your products, whatever. I mean, I, I'm using a Weber. I love my Weber Genesis, but uh, I will gladly take anyone's grill that they want to give me and try it out. Yeah. Citrus pepper by Traeger at Ace Hardware of all places. Yeah. Dude, this Ace Hardware has so much stuff in it. They have apparel in addition to like everything else. It's like they don't know what they are, but they have everything and they were nice about it. So for Ace Hardware. Love that. All right. That's always end with food. Great wrap to this week's Course of Life podcast. Again, check us out on social for all the content we're putting out. We got week uh, videos weekly, podcast weekly. We appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe if you have not already. Until then, we'll see you next week.